Welcome to another edition of Aspen Answered. This is Brandon Harris, along with Megan Bird and Katie Johnson. Today, we are thrilled to have Dr. Andy Myers with us, who served as president of ASP from 1999 to 2000 as its 14th president. Uh, he's an emeritus professor at the University of Memphis in the Department of Psychology, where he also served as the vice provost and then ultimately vice president for research at the, the university. You may also recognize Dr. Meyer's name from some of his contributions and work associated with professional issues in sports psychology and his contributions to ASP's original code of ethics. Andy, thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate your time. Happy to do it. So if we could just start off um, with maybe a 30-second kind of elevator pitch um, in terms of your bio um, about where you are right now, and then we'll get into more detail in terms of how you got to where you are. Um, as a graduate student at Penn State in the early 1970s, I worked with a psychologist named Michael Mahoney, who's since deceased, unfortunately. And um, he was a national class weightlifter as well as a wonderful professor and mentor. And he got me involved with um, his interest in sports psychology. And, um, and that really was the beginning of of uh, my commitment to, to including um, research in uh, in the sport field. Um, and then once I landed at the University of Memphis, uh, then Memphis State in the 19, uh, in the late 1970s, um, we began working, my graduate students and I, with uh, athletic teams at the university. And then eventually, uh, after the 1984 Olympic Games, uh, Dr. Mahoney was asked by the USOC to be part of the build out of a group of psychologists working with uh, um, Olympic sports uh, in the US and he invited me along. And that really is uh, how I got into uh, an interest in sports psychology and my involvement in ASPIT as well. So in our podcast, we really want to get a better understanding of what the fields um, really look like when you got into it, and then also from where some of our top figures, how they got to be where they are. And so you touched on this already a little bit, um, but are there any significant moments that you feel like really formed your experience in sports psychology? Um, you know, I grew up <laughs> in an athletic home. My dad had a brief and strikingly unsuccessful minor league baseball career. And, um, and my mother was uh, an all New York City high school swimmer. And so, you know, I grew up in that world. Um, I was probably never as good as either of my parents, but um, I competed in as many things as I could. And so in some way, I think I was primed for that. And though even though most of my um, career as a clinical psychologist has been focused on uh, addictive and impulsive behaviors. Um, you know, I carved out a, a place for sports work in that uh, in that body of work, and and so for me, I think there was always some predilection to wanting to be involved in athletics, and um, and the University uh, of Memphis in in the, those early days of the um, late seventies into the eighties was very open to having. Um, us work with their teams. And so for me, um, when ASP uh, 
presented itself, I, I was an anxious and pleased to be involved. Could you, I'm really curious about how you became so involved with the ethics code and the ethics side of sports site. Could you just talk about maybe what led you to that niche? Well, as you probably know, um, you know, I think uh, um, psychology in the United States um, is very proud of its commitment to ethics and, and one of the first organizations to have what I would consider a comprehensive ethics guide. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something we teach our students in their clinical um, year uh, uh, programs. And, and, and so when the issue arose at ASP, you know, Jim and I were both um, pleased and ready to make, a, you know, a contribution to that. It's so interesting because that's so much of the basis and foundation for the work that we all do now. And so having such a, a, a document that was so strong to begin with and work from makes our lives a lot easier teaching it to our students and then even being competent ethical practitioners now. Right. And, and that's exactly what made it uh, attractive to us. Um, you know, to have those kinds of guidelines that everybody, you know, makes a commitment to, you know, um, sort of legitimizes the whole body of work. And, and for what it's worth, you know, one of the things I've noticed over the years is uh, folks don't always know how to cite properly the ethics code when they're referring to it in a you know, professional document. So we will see your and, and Jim's name pop up in the, as a citation for, for the code sometimes. Um, so your, your legacy continues you know, in, in terms of, of the code of ethics as it gets cited. Yeah, one of the unfortunate things of getting is people can talk about our legacy, I guess. <laughs> so when you think back to the field of, of sports site kind of around and, and maybe just prior to your service as president, um, how would you describe the, the profession as you recall it at that time? Um, you know, anything about ASP uh, that, that might stick out to you in terms of, of what was going on within ASP at that time, kind of prior to running uh, for president, and if there's anything in particular just kind of stands out to you about that time period. You know, um, me, right, that's your, anyway. um, the, Jekyll, the initial Jekyll Island meeting was um, one of the most exciting, promising um, events uh, of my professional life. Um, you know, to be in a place with, uh, my memory is probably off here, but some 200 um, people from diverse backgrounds and, and diverse areas of interest, um, you know, striving to build something uh, from scratch, really. And, um, uh, you know, that whole experience uh, on this sort of isolated little place um, uh, is fixed in my mind. One of the probably the few things I can remember back from those days now. Um, and it was hard not to be energized by the uh, um, development of, of the organization and the promise of interdisciplinary um, scholarship and applied work. What specifically then motivated you to run for president? Um, 
I, I don't know that I can give you a, a, a clear answer. I, I think um, having spent time around the board, uh, in part because of the issues around um, ethics and the journal, um, made me feel like I wanted to continue to contribute. Um, you know, I was uh, intimately involved with a clinical psych organization called, at that time, Association for the Advancement of Behavior Therapy. And, you know, I served on the board there as well and felt very rewarded by doing that. Um, and so when, uh, when there were people I respected who were encouraging me, I, I thought, why not? Um, you know, I, I, I can't tell you I was driven to do it, but it seemed like an opportunity where I could make a meaningful contribution. So I guess it's probably around like 1997, 1998, you are elected as president-elect, and then you take office in, in 1999 as president of ASP. What were you hoping to accomplish um, during your time as president? You know, I think the main issue for me was um, maybe selfishly creating an acceptance of sports psychology uh, among um, the, a broader uh, a group of clinical psychologists in some way. Uh, I, I think in the early years, there was not a lot of respect in, in my um, family field, uh, you know, the, the work of, of, of being a clinical psychologist for the um, for the research on um, athletic performance enhancement or uh, coaching education or a number of areas that um, that Jim and I were involved in over the years and in our service um, to the U.S. Olympic Committee at Colorado Springs. And, and, and I always felt like, um, you know, when I was a, a line faculty member, you know, presenting my, you know, annual contributions to the department chair that um, my work in sports psychology didn't seem very valuable to them and uh, almost like it was a hobby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought if, if the organization can serve, could serve to legitimize the kind of work that we and other uh, people were doing um, to professionalize it in a way that would um, create value. And I thought that was worth doing. And so I guess re- when you reflect on that, um, how successful would you say, you know, um, you were at trying to advance things in, in that direction, knowing that that's not something that necessarily happens in one year, we realize, um, or are there other accomplishments, um, that you reflect on as being, uh, attributed to your presidency that maybe you weren't anticipating um, working towards, but nonetheless are still, you know, pretty kind of stand out as accomplishments for you. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to make a judgment about that. I mean, I, it's almost like you should ask other people, how, how we did. <laughs> but, you know, I think the, the, watching the journal grow was some evidence to me that um, we were doing something um, valuable and, um, you know, seeing uh, the U.S. Olympic Committee respond by, you know, creating a, a sort of a, a, 
professional group of sports psychologists at the training centers, um, uh, you know, um, having uh, psychologists travel with teams on occasion. You know, I served in a uh, uh, in that role for U.S. weightlifting for a number of years, and um, and then really for um, uh, the USOC Sports Science Committee for uh, quite a number of years uh, until I got into a full time administrative role that sort of sucked my time away. But um, I mean, I think there were uh, ample. There was a, a body of evidence that suggested we were moving in the right direction. Do you remember, or what do you remember about your presidential speech? <laughs> um, well, you know, we were in Banff, I believe, and um, uh, and and a bunch of us went for a morning hike, and uh, we were probably about five miles out, and it started to snow, and uh, and so we turned around, but by then the snow was already pretty deep. And I got back to the hotel just in time to change clothes and get to the speech. Um, and most of my presentation, so I was already kind of weirded out by all that. But, um, you know, hopefully I, uh, um, I started with a bunch of funny slides, and I, hopefully somebody appreciated it besides me. But, um, you know, I, I was trying to make an argument in that in that presentation for our legitimacy. And, um, and hopefully I accomplished something with that. Well, you definitely made an impression because Bob Harmison in his presidential speech this year said that you had the funniest asked <laughs> presidential speech. Well, I, I, I didn't, I hadn't known that, but uh, my thanks to him. And uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, I, it was a bunch of slides really about, um, you know, my, I, I, I'm a hiker and a backpacker and, and my wife will often hike with me. And we had a bunch of pictures from, you know, hikes where we were way up high and beat to heck and um, uh, looking like we were, you know, in the Himalayas. But anyway, I'm glad that somebody liked it. At least one. I'm sure there's more. There you go. Um, this sets the stage really well for our next question, too, is at this point in the podcast, we like to take a break, um, and we call it our story break. So we would love to hear about a fun story from your time in the field, um, anything that just brings a smile to your face, something that you like sharing with other people. Um, we would love to hear any anything that you're willing to share with us. Um. You know, when I saw that, I, I was trying to want to fathom what would work, and I'm not quite sure I hit it. But, you know, I, I was, um, the USOC invited me to, uh, I believe, the 1995 Olympic Sports Festival in St. Louis um, to work with uh, a couple of psychologists on the medical staff. And um, uh it was, you know, it was the last of the of the Olympic festivals, uh, you know. Some and for you probably know some of this. Four thousand athletes, so it's actually bigger than an Olympic Games in some way. Um, but I spent most of my time um, not seeing anything, any of the competitions, but in the medical center, 
Um, and I think what struck me, and it was both positive and negative in many ways, was you know that steady stream of athletes who came in, both wanting um, just to talk, sit and chat with a psychologist or um, uh, were there for injury work and uh, physicians would refer them over. I mean, we were working an enormously long day every day. And, um, uh, you know, the, I, I don't know that I can remember any of the funny stuff, but there definitely was funny stuff. But um, it was uh, an immensely gratifying experience. Uh, I made friends with athletes, young athletes there. I was actually pretty young still then, but I made friends with athletes there who I still, you know, uh, communicate with every year and, um, and to watch them, um, uh, uh share with me, uh, the, their stories and their uh, highs and lows, and then to go out and compete. It was always gratifying. Um, I, you know, the, the one thing I always remember is I, there were chiropractors working, near me and i had always thought of chiropractors as completely sort of quacky and I, you know, I watched them work at times in ways with athletes who couldn't even walk when they went in and 30 minutes later went out to compete um, so i always remember how um, um, educational that was for me that i you know shouldn't think in stereotypes and and can appreciate the expertise of many different uh contributors. Um, uh, we worked so hard. My, uh, my wife and child drove up to spend some time with me. And I think I wound up having one dinner with them because I was so busy. Um, uh, though I did get to see photos of my son uh, at, at some archery competition when he, as an eight-year-old watching and, and enjoying the athletes. But um, that, that was one of the great experiences that uh, being involved in sports psychology offered me, and and it's one I always have remembered fondly. That's an incredible story. It's I'm tired just thinking about what <laughs> that would look like all day. Yeah. Just athletes nonstop. Yeah, I was in there at eight in the morning, and often didn't get out till eight at night. Um, yeah, it was a great experience. Yeah, but thank so, you for sharing. Being from St. Louis, I have to ask. Did you get a chance to do anything or see anything uh, while, while you were there? I, I had one dinner with my with my wife and son at, at the at the hotel, um, uh, and and I actually don't remember if I saw any of the competitions. I think I might have caught one one session of judo or something, but um, but they would call me at night and tell me what they got to see. <laughs> um, okay. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thing that most impacted me was, you know, the desire of athletes to um, find any service that would help them to be their best. And, uh, and, and that's an experience I, I'm always struck by and admire. Do you feel like that experience influenced some of your presidential initiatives, too? Um, you, you know, I... Uh, I don't want to claim to ever have had a, you know, set of policy or, um, you know, programmatic initiatives as president. You know, I just wanted to continue, you know, what had already started from prior presidents in legitimizing 
the organization and the work that our members do. Um, uh, but, um, and I think for all of us in the field, the more you work with um, athletes, young and old, um, the more impressed you are about their commitment and the more you want to be helpful. I mean, I think those are the things that consistently drove me. Um, and it offers a complete, and for a clinical psychologist like me, it offers a completely um, sort of different experience from, you know, dealing with clinical cases on a regular basis. Yeah, absolutely. So when you think about, you know, sports psychology, because you were really involved in, in, I think, what a lot of us would consider to be very, you know, critical times, you know, in, in the development of the field. And I know we've talked a little bit about, about some examples of that. Um, I'm wondering if you could maybe share with us the ways in which you feel like, um, you know, the field of sports psychology has evolved. And, you know, we don't necessarily like think about it in terms of like good or bad, you know, in that kind of dichotomy, but just in terms of the evolution of the field, um, what kind of stands out to you in terms of how, how the field has progressed over the years um, in, in terms of that, that evolution? Well, let me start with a caveat. And I think I mentioned this to you, Brandon, in, in one of our email exchanges. Um, you know, I, once I became uh, vice provost and then vice president, um, which would have been 2003, I think, um, you know, I, I had a job that's basically, you know, went from seven in the morning to seven at night, you know, because in that administrative role, I had, you know, responsibilities in the community. I sat on the chamber of commerce, you know, where they think research is a driver of economic growth. And, and it became harder and harder for me to stay involved in ASP at that point. And not out of choice. I mean, I would have loved to have done that. I always enjoyed the annual meetings and um, you know, continued to subscribe to the journal for quite a while. And, but um, so I, I'm not in the best position to sort of argue about um, the positives or negatives of what's happened, you know, over these last, uh, unfortunately, 20 years, almost 20 years. Uh, I do think... It's my impression um, that that there is a, a higher level of legitimacy and acceptance of what we do. <clears throat> um, uh, I haven't, <clears throat> even as an ex-president, I haven't been involved as much as I would have liked. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things that struck me as I sort of watched from afar and occasionally would be involved in <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> internet or, or mail exchanges with, with other ex-presidents on that group, you know, is whether or not we've ever really found a way to accommodate the merging of um, sports science and clinical psychology in a way that was healthy for both sides. Um, you know, as I read through some of the exchanges from Ex, from ex-presidents and board members, it seemed to me that we still have never completely found a way, you know, to live in some sort of uh, um, beneficial peace. Um, but again, I, I'm looking from pretty far away. 
I think that's a really uh, important perspective to have because when you are kind of in the weeds of it all, um, sometimes I think we lose sight or it's easy to kind of miss some objectivity um, in terms of exactly like what you're describing. And so w- when you did mention that initially um, as we were setting up the, the interview here, I thought this is exactly the reason why we want to, to have these conversations and, and to be able to to um, get these perspectives because they are so critical. And so I, I very much appreciate you sharing uh, sharing that because that has been, uh, it seems like for uh, for a lot of folks um, over the years, kind of one of those ongoing themes that, that we struggle with um, trying to find some way to, to manage. And so I think the, you know, I kind of think of, of what you're sharing as in many ways a more objective um, perspective because you have been somewhat removed from, like I said, the weeds um, and being in the thick of everything, that that still stands out to you, it sounds like. It does. Um, and, and in some way, you know, and I would drag myself home from my job, you know, which often involved breakfasts and dinners that, you know, and I'd see this sort of a little bit of a contentious exchange among ex-presidents or board members. And, and, you know, I think if the goal is to build a wide acceptance and appreciation for what we do, you know, we have to fix the, we have to fix the home first before we can sell ourselves to um, a wider public or a wider body of consumers. Right. Keeping that in mind then, where do you, if you had to guess or based on your experiences, where do you think the field is going? I mean, this idea of finding this like happy home areas, do you feel like that's in reach? Do you feel like that's a place that the field's eventually going to get to? I, I missed some of that. Could you repeat? Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So keeping all of that in mind, where do you think the field is going? So this idea of having, making sure the home is, is fixed and casting a wider net or casting a smaller net. I'm not sure eventually myself, I don't know where it's going, but I guess where do you feel like the field may go? Yeah. I, I think one thing that's seems clear to me is that um, there is a wider acceptance of what, of what we as an organization do. And I mean that broadly without worrying about how we were trained or where, where we worked. Um, you know, I think in, in universities these days that um, there is a, a, a clear notion that um, that the work that we do can be helpful to their athletic programs and to their athletes. And I, I think that's also true at the USOC level. Um, but again, there are people involved in ASP who work m- much more directly than I do and may have different or or similar opinions. Um, so in some way, I mean, I think you could look back over the, uh, I guess it's 40 something years now, maybe more and say, you know, to go from that point, um, you know, a, a group of, uh, I don't know, 150 people at Jekyll Island to where we are now is pretty impressive. I mean, clinical psychology in some form or another has been around since the late 1800s. And yeah, I guess if, uh, if it took us uh, at least until after World War II to gain a legitimacy, um, you know, the fact that 
aspects uh, or sports psychology has acquired some of that legitimacy and, you know, in a generation or two is uh, uh, pretty special. But um, again, I, I, I don't have, uh, you know, a close eye on all of this to know for sure. Oh, we appreciate your thoughts about that. Hmm. So I'm curious what advice you have for students or new professionals that are entering into the field now? Um, you know, I think it, it's probably the same advice you'd give in almost any academic, um, um, applied academic environment is, you know, you, you just have to be well-trained. And the challenge I would uh, suspect in sports psychology is you're really having to train um, in a very broad set of um, skill areas and expertise. Um, you know, even if we can somehow ignore for a moment the idea that, you know, we, we have people who come from pretty different um, training backgrounds, uh, you know, I, I know in my early days working with athletes, you know, my lack of a sports science background, you know, really hampered some of my work. Uh, and I was fortunate to have sports scientists who were collegial and helpful to me. And I suspect that um, sports scientists feel the same way about some of the uh, clinical or semi-clinical issues that they have to face with athletes, which just part and parcel of, of the experience that athletes go through under the pressure cooker that they exist in. Um, so I, you know, I, it's, it's nothing ground, you know, ground, groundbreaking, but it you know, get trained in as broadly a way as you can work hard at it. You know, if you're going to be a, an applied person, make sure you have the um, skills and background to do that well. And, if you seek an academic path, um, God bless you these days, but yeah. <laughs> so very similar, I guess, in some ways when we were reflecting on um, some of your accomplishments, you know, as president, um, you know, our next question it may put you in a similar situation or position here. Um, what do you hope your impact on the field either has been or maybe will continue to be or will be if it hasn't happened yet? Uh, that was one question I saw. And I, 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 I never try to think of that. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's so hard to know, you know, uh, uh, you know what, you know, when I mentored under Michael Mahoney, um, you know, I, I, I thought the impact he had on me and the people who worked uh, around me, you know, was so great that, it, it, you know, he, his support for my work and, 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 and I, I was fortunate enough to have another mentor, Ed Craighead, not in sports psychology, but on the clinical side, who, um, you know, were so vital to me. And I, I don't have any grandiose notions of what my of what my work may have produced. You know, your publications are out there, and um, 
you know, you can judge them in a variety of ways. I, I got an email last week from some organization I never heard of that said I was ranked as the 2,511th most productive psychologist in the U.S. And I thought, is that, is that like, should I feel good about that? Or, <laughs> um, you know, like, um, you know, I've done a lot. I've done a lot of work in, four, you know, the 43 years I was at the University of Memphis. And, um, and I, you know, I've got a lot of publications and I've got a lot of grant dollars. And, uh, and the thing that I remember most is the students I mentored and, gra- and who graduated and went on to careers. And in the end, I think, you know, maybe people will look at publications and maybe they will look at grant product and, but in the end, it's people, you know, it's the people you work with and the people you influence. And, you know, I, I know without a doubt that I wouldn't be talking to you if it weren't for my parents and my undergraduate mentors and the mentors I had in my graduate training and, and, and a lot of other people who influenced me greatly. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that there's a better way to evaluate your contribution than to do that um, and to have those um, people in your lives. That's really special. I like that. What haven't we asked you about that you think is important to share either about the field, sports psych, ASP, really kind of a catch-all, Andy, for anything else that's on your mind? Um, you know, I, I think, I think the organization and its members ought to be extremely proud of what they've accomplished. Um, you know, you could point to infighting about item X or disagreements over something else. And there's plenty of that. And I've never been involved in an organization that didn't have that, uh, including APA. Um, but but to go from, you know, essentially a non-existent field um, in the, in 1970, you know, something to, um, to being a legitimate contributor to both some, the science and practice um, aspects of sport work. I, I think they ought to be super proud of that. And and I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that from my contribution, and I'm very proud of it from ASP, for ASP's contribution. And, and that should override any minor, you know, disagreements on a board of directors or, you know, past president's group. That, that's what they should be focused on is, is what they've accomplished and how it's impacted both the membership and the athletes and coaches that they serve. Well, thank you again so much, uh, Dr. Myers, for taking the time. I think, as you've mentioned, the idea of the field wouldn't be where it was, where it is now without those contributions and without contributions such as yours, the field would not be where it is. I So often our conversations have been, about certification, but without an ethics code to guide that certification, we wouldn't be this far or without people 
taking leadership roles early on in the field and really creating this foundation, as we mentioned earlier, just, I think your contribution is, I don't think it's measurable. So we just, we really appreciate um, you sharing your story with us and then all the effort that you've put into to helping start the field and grow the fields. Well, I, I, I appreciate what you said and I hope some of that was true and, and I'm happy <laughs> uh, I, I'm involved with us. Great. Well, we asked, Dr. Myers has answered. We thank you all for listening and we look forward to seeing you next time on Ask and Answer.